you're listening to a podcast and you're listening to this podcast. So I'm pretty sure you are not afraid of laughing and some tough talk. And because you're a listener, you're probably an audiobook listener, too. I know I've been listening to audiobooks since they were called Books on Tape. And that's why I'm going to tell you about the audiobooks that my company, Flamingo Audiobooks, produce. I'm currently working on a spy thriller series by John D. Trudell, whose protagonist is a former CIA guy sheep-dipped with a new legend, George Raven who now works in deep black ops. His role is to protect the country's foremost paranormal, Josie, who has scary, smart insights into some of the nation's biggest secrets. It sounds crazy, but Trudell makes it all work. It's amazing. I've got an offer for the first 10 of you who email me at victoria at victoriataff.com. You receive a free copy of the latest Raven series books, Raven's Redemption on Audible. Put free audiobook in the subject line. Of course, the audiobooks are also available on Amazon as well. Raven's Run is also out if you want to start from the beginning. And Raven's Resurrection is in production right now. If you like spy thrillers like the ones written by Vince Flynn, Kyle Mills, Brad Thor, Ben Coase, you're going to love the Raven series. It's the Adult in the Room podcast with Victoria Taft. That's me. Welcome to the Adult in the Room podcast with Victoria Taft. And today, I talk with one of my PJ Media colleagues, Stacey Lennox, in a wide-ranging conversation about everything from Merrick Garland's letter attempting to scare parents who are upset about what's going on in their children's schools and about criminalizing their behavior to her expertise on the pandemic to 2024 presidential politics. I mean, we're talking about everything. Enjoy it. Stacey Lennox is a colleague of mine at PJ Media. She is a recovering nurse and writes a lot about coronavirus issues. We will get to that. But she recently posted about one of the most disturbing stories I've seen in quite some time. And Stacey, first off, welcome to the Adult in the Room podcast. Why, thank you very much. It's good to be with you. Thank you so much for doing this. I I guess we should be glad that Merrick Garland is not on the U.S. Supreme Court. And for that, we can thank Mitch McConnell. But he is the attorney general and he's horrible. This week, he announced that the FBI, his FBI, would mm-hmm. go after parents yelling at school board meetings because they're a threat to school board officials. They're terrorists. That is the net effect of his... Uh, some diktat. And uh, so, Stacey, what did you make of the story? And what did you write over at PJ Media about it? Well, basically, what I took out of the story is this is just such federal overreach. It's it's rather astonishing. So what Garland is actually asking um, special agents and, and U.S. attorneys to do is to begin meeting with state and local officials so that they can have proper communication <laughs> should should there be threats of violence. Now, I've looked all over the Internet. I can find a lot of viral videos of parents saying mean things to school board members and showing up in large numbers to object to both the curriculum and certain COVID restrictions. What I cannot find is a lot of stories where this has ever come to anything physical. Oh, you'll find them now. And the reason is, is because um, they've been given the green light to go after stories like that. So you'll probably get some really terrifically uh, made up stories. And some of them might unfortunately be true. Uh, but I don't doubt that because there is a need, there will be a fulfillment of that need by uh, the folks in charge of the media. I mean, I do. Here's what Garland said. In recent months, there has been a disturbing spike in harassment, intimidation, and threats of violence against school administrators. I think the threats of violence is what you were looking 
for, and I don't think you will find that. No, anyway, I did not. <laughs> uh-huh. Well, spirited debate about policy matters is protected under our Constitution. That protection does not extend to threats of violence. And then what he does is he's going to, as you rightly pointed out, meet with these people to explain to them what constitutes a threat of violence and how they can best go forward to weed out, jail, prosecute these parents. Well, it's astonishing. Part of the reason this is so stunning to me is I'm involved with several of the groups, uh, No Left Turn in Education, um, what's the other one out of Tennessee? I can't come up with it right now, but again, it's a national organization um, and I've, I've met with the leaders of these organizations. A, they're not unreasonable people. <laughs> they're not violent people. They're mostly suburban moms, right? Mm-hmm. Who want to open a dialogue with people they've elected who in many cases refuse to speak with them. I mean, the county that I personally live is in is in a little different situation, We have a lot of people on the school board who've been there for 30 years, and they just don't understand what's going on. So we're going to replace them. That's fine. They know it's coming. Um, But in some of these more contentious districts, you have people on the left pulling such stunts. And I mean, I've seen it with my own eyes that, you know, all of a sudden an activist from the NAACP in one of the county, you know, school county school board meetings, like, falls down and says somebody pushed her. Nobody touched her. Wow. I I mean, you literally have like, you know, you know how they feign injuries in soccer, right? Oh, and the Oscar goes too. Exactly. And I mean, this woman, (laughs) this woman is so nutty. She's been prohibited from attending school board meetings because she doesn't have any children in the schools. That's how disruptive she is. And now She's trying to get parents who didn't do anything charged. It's ridiculous. I think that some of the worst things we've seen from the school board to parents um, is underway in Virginia. Oh, yeah. Uh, where we have parents, they've cut off the ability of parents to speak before these school boards. They've cut them off to one minute apiece. They have to be alone. And all you have to do is wait outside in order to get your turn. Because what they're trying to prevent, and this is what I was thinking the other day, I thought, oh, well, you know, they could just get a conga line of parents. And when their name's called to speak, they just defer to the person who's standing right next to them because there's not enough time in the day to in 60 seconds to convey a message that they want to convey and but of course that's by design and then of course Matt Walsh went and rented a house in the district in order to <laughs> so that he could speak at the school board meeting and and the reason he had to do that is because they decided that only people from the county or from the school district could speak i mean i think on some level you okay that makes some sense but uh, but i just kind of wondered do they not what if you bring in an expert to convey expert testimony on the uh, coronavirus and or the critical race theory that the parents are truly up in arms about, that person cannot speak? Seriously, are you being serious right now? Yeah, I I mean, it's just, I've seen them turn off mics on people. Um, I've seen them limit the number of people that can come in the room with no live broadcast to people outside the room. Um, just a, a, really a whole lot of things that just don't make it, 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 it's almost like these people think they're employed, not elected. Yeah. I mean, it, it's, it's really that bad or that they somehow have the ability to just ignore what parents and taxpayers are saying. I mean, that just doesn't make any sense. I, and it, I, I kind of wonder the idea that you would convey to kids that there's something wrong with them based on their skin color is just abhorrent to me. Well, it's not just abhorrent, but it's just, it it is such a flip on the head for people my age where, I mean, we were brought up in the shadow of Martin Luther King. I know. What happened to that? 
<laughs> well, no. I mean, what what happened to that? And then the very interesting thing that um, Kyle Becker at Becker News reported this morning is that Merrick Garland's daughter is married to a man who's an executive with an organization that provides what we call social and emotional learning, which is the new tag phrase for a lot of this really awful content. What? Really? Really. <laughs> wow. I'm, why am I not surprised? Why am I, I not surprised? I mean, it's just this. The other thing um, that I learned digging into this a little bit more and listening to um, the uh, the teacher, Rebecca Heinrichs, she's the one that went oh, yeah. all the way to the Supreme Court so that teachers don't have to join a, a union, et cetera, mm-hmm. um, or public union at all, which I think is wonderful. Um she was saying that this national school board organization is essentially a union for school board members. And a lot of times the district pays. So we're, we, the taxpayers are paying for our school board memberships, our school board members membership in this organization. And it's very much aligned with the teachers' unions. We've all seen Randy Weingarten for the last year. I mean, I think she's the best advertisement for school choice we could ever put on the news. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, I, I, I'm almost to the point where I understand parents and public schools, and I understand that pe- some people can't pay for private schools, of course. I am like all in with Chris Rufo and um, Corey DeAngelis at this point. There needs to be a massive movement at every state level so that the dollars follow the child. Oh, I couldn't agree more. Absolutely couldn't agree more. Dollars follow the child and parents can decide how to educate their children. Because the other thing that nobody talks about in this whole process is the accreditation organizations. This is true, and I, I think that's where all this stuff starts, at least it, this it, it blanket. It absolutely is. Cognia is about as far left as you can get. Um, we actually have a couple situations in Georgia right now where some far left board members have been elected, but they can't get their way because they're not in a majority. So they're actually having the accreditation organization come back in and do an interim review when accreditation is not up. Right. And to me, K through 12 accreditation is just stupid. Yeah. It just, it shouldn't exist. Um, there are standardized tests of knowledge and skills attained in K through 12 education. And if you're educating children in a way that they can pass those skills-based tests, then that's it. That's your accreditation. Not only that, but every state And every county or city within a state has a vested interest in educating their children well, because that's how you attract employers. Okay, so if you're a town that doesn't invest in education, um, you're not going to get good employees to move there with their families Mm -hmm. and you're not going to have a workforce that's able to do what you need to have done. So that's part of the things that, I mean, I'm also a recovering Fortune 500 executive. So um, those are the things we actually look at when we decide to place a facility some someplace. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> and, me- and, and I just, the whole thing just seems so between teachers unions, now this school board union, the accredit- accreditors, the schools of education, the whole thing is just so knitted up. Yeah. And now it's colluding with the government to suppress dissent. Yeah, it appears so. It's it's terrifying. Do you say that the public schools are also under the so-called accreditation organization as well? Oh, yes. Yes, ma'am. I mean, why would you need to to accredit? Why would you have to credit the or accredit these institutions that people are stuck going to? I mean, it's one thing to say that, you know, X number of kids (laughs) go to college or whatever. But right. But why Um, would you need an accreditation thing i've done it it, it, it's not you can all if you're interested in this and you have kids in school the one that i know because it's the one we deal with in the state of georgia um is called cognia c-o-g-n-i-a it's a global organization (laughs) wow very left wing and if you look at their white papers and and what they're doing everything that they are doing 
has more to lowering the bar. Yeah. Right. Um, It's all, I mean, big statement from the CEO about diversity, equity, and inclusion. They've updated their guidelines. So anybody going forward through accreditation is going to have to incorporate those principles. And that's exactly what parents are fighting. The DEI, you know, mindset. Because we know what underlies that is actually abbreviated CRT, right? Mm-hmm. What <laughs> and is the now DEI? they rebranded it as SEL, social and emotional learning, mm-hmm. and mandated it in the education dollars in the COVID bill. Really? Yes, ma'am. Well, this is getting interesting. So people are being purged in the, from the military, certain people with certain uh, belief systems, like uh, believing in the fact that the COVID shot may not be right for them. Uh, so they're purging people that way. They're purging the frontline workers for not getting COVID shots. They're criminalizing parents who speak at school board meetings. They're, mm-hmm. They've jailed people for months on misdemeanor charges related to the Capitol riots. Some people who did bad things. Not all those people did. Not 625 of them. And the next thing you know, Merrick Garland will be issuing a warning to people that it's an act of illegality of some sort or a civil rights offense of some sort to not be vaccinated against COVID. Don't you feel that one's coming now, Stacey? Um, maybe. But, I mean, I got to I gotta give props where props are due. Um you know, we do have some Republicans who can think <laughs> um, and can read science and get people around them, advising them on the trade-offs. Um, you know, Governor Ron DeSantis came right up yesterday and said, not in my state. We don't need your help. Like, we literally don't need the federal government coming in here to handle these things. We have state and local laws against it and state and local law enforcement will take care of it. That's what we do. Like why the FBI and the states, uh, the U.S. attorneys would need to get involved in this to begin with is just ridiculous. Well, remember now the Obama administration, they uh, mounted their horses and went to St. Louis, Ferguson. They went to Florida. Mm -hmm. uh, They went to and uh, Biden has sent Merrick Garland to Texas about this abortion law. I mean, Mm -hmm. apparently local officials are not to be trusted because apparently they have to answer to people who actually live there or something. Oh, have you heard the most terrifying one? Oh, is there something worse than this? Oh, yeah. Tell me. So Nancy Pelosi is enlarging the Capitol Police. She's putting an office in Florida and an office in California. Mm. And as we all learned regarding the um, Capitol riot, I call it the grandma selfie event. Um, Okay. As we learned, you can't FOIA them. Oh, that's true. That is true. They are like, if if you ever said the word brown shirts, there you go. Because threats against congressional members have increased. We need to put offices of law enforcement agents in your states to investigate those threats because apparently the FBI can't do their job. I I know she's in charge of the Capitol Police. Uh-huh. But this isn't but this is just an overreach. Uh this is for the Capitol. And I mean I can uh-huh. see that getting tossed out obviously. Um she I I'm waiting I'm waiting for DeSantis to figure out it's happening so he can toss him out of Florida. Like no. We're not going to have a law enforcement agency in my state that is not required to be transparent. No, not doing it. If you want to decrease confidence in law enforcement, that's the kind of law law enforcement agency you expand. Okay. Right. I mean, you, you literally, you can't get any information out of them. Right. I understand that. Yeah. I mean, the only reason the person who shot Ashley Babbitt came out is because somebody figured it out in the media. But he was under no obligation, under no obligation to become public. No. After that incident, after the review inside the agency, he could have stayed anonymous forever. 
There is no other police officer in the country that has that ability. Yeah. So when she says FOIA, she means the Freedom of Information Act and the ability to get public documents from this entity. And so it is Nancy Pelosi's police department that she's expanding. Well, and I, 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 is this for sure happening, though? I thought it was sort of being held, held at abeyance until she, she came to her senses or got off the feigning couch. Um, last I heard it was. Hmm. Wow. I mean, that's part because if you look at the January 6th riot, there's two questions we need an answer to. Right. Just two. OK, you don't need to be subpoenaing um, Kevin McCarthy and Kosh Patel. We need two answers. Who told the Capitol Police leadership that we weren't going to call in the National Guard? Mm-hmm. Who made that call? Number one. And number two, how many federal law enforcement informants or agents were on site that day? Mm -hmm. Those are the only two questions I want answered. Oh, well, there's a lot. In fact, that's we were going to have Julie Kelly on. We'll have her in the next episode of the Adult in the Room podcast. And I'll ask her because she's at the tip of the spear on this one in terms of who's in prison, why they're there, mm-hmm. what's going on. Uh, the U.S. Attorney General or correction, the U.S. Attorney in D.C. is a really interesting cat. I think he might fit in very well with, um, you know, Eric Holder's Justice Department back in the day. And, oh, wait, well, he, he did. <laughs> That's right. He was. Um, so if I mean, I'm not. If I'm not mistaken, the guy in D.C. that's now prosecuting the folks over January 6th, the person in charge of it all. Yeah. Is the same guy that was in charge in Michigan for the Whitmer cat kidnapping. Uh, not the U.S. attorney, I don't think. I think that was the FBI agent in charge. OK. I could, OK. Yeah, Somebody so. somebody's been involved in both. Yes. And the Whitmer kidnapping one just stinks. The Whitmer t- kidnapping one stank from the the jump. I mean, clearly trying to get somebody to kidnap somebody or even entertain the thought. I mean, that person's a deranged individual. But then when you find out it's FBI informants actually (laughs) talking about it and helping and paying for hotel rooms, you just think to yourself, "Uh, you know, guys, I'm pretty sure if you if there are these people out there, this oath keeper guy who keeps reappearing at all of these different things, who's obviously at least allegedly a an FBI informant, you'd think that you'd think you might be able to connect the dots a little bit. And yeah, uh, I know, but nothing nothing made me laugh harder than the justice for January sixth riot. It's like it 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 always amazes me and this is this is a broader commentary, I guess, mm-hmm. since this is the adult in the room mm-hmm. podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, we know how the left operates, how they think, and what they hold dear, because we're immersed in them all the time. And we have been since we were very small, right? Right. It's, we can predict them much easier than they have. They have no idea what we're thinking. Okay? They just they can't even predict it. So when I'm sitting there watching this, meltdown about this justice for January 6th rally that was supposed to take place. I'm like, okay, where is this being organized? The answer was nowhere. Matt Matt Brainerd was in charge of it. But I just don't even get where that, I mean, I I mean, I understand that you want justice for the January 6th people, but then who showed up? There 50 people showed up and Mm -hmm. and there were hundreds of reporters and FBI agents. So Mm -hmm. (laughs) But I mean, for for people like myself who might have been inclined, uh-huh. they made way too big a deal out of it because the one thing they have to have happen, and that's why you're seeing Garlic Garland do this. Mm-hmm. That's why they put out another notice yesterday about the white supremacist terrorist threat due to more COVID restrictions. Um, wow, domestic terror. They need it before 2022, right? <laughs> Right. And we just have to make sure we don't give it to them. Yeah. I mean, you you would expect that people will attempt to change within the system, change things within the system. Obviously, the system is growing smaller 
and smaller and smaller. And uh, every thought, every utterance, every desire, uh, angry word is now being criminalized, it seems, by, by these people. So by that time, half the country not only will be deplorable, but they will also be criminals. Oh, yeah. But I mean, when you when you look at the electorate, right, there's a big third or more in the middle who don't declare a party. Yeah. Okay. And they're at some point they're going to be looking at Nancy Pelosi and the DOJ and all these, you know, threat alerts and whatever else. And they're going to be like, you people are insane. I mean, they're just crazy. You go out in your own community where I live. You don't see any of this. I don't know who half my neighbors voted for and I don't care. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? Where I live, it's not that different than where I grew up in terms of sitting down with people and talking over the news of the day, but I don't necessarily know where they fall down on everything or who they pull the lever for. And I don't care. Mm. They don't ask me. I don't ask them. Mm-hmm. And, you know, uh, but if you say something out loud, you will be then othered by these folks and you may be criminalized, Stacy. In fact, I can't believe that we have jobs, frankly. I mean, <laughs> I, <laughs> well, I know they're trying to I kill mean, PJ media, but... So yesterday we had the memo come down from Garland, right? Mm -hmm. And in one of the local counties I'm in, we have had just a disaster of a person, huge racist, awful Facebook posts, um, who's on one of the county school boards decide he's announced he's going to run for state superintendent. Okay. Wow. We now I have parents calling me going, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? And I'm like, guys, I already have a target on my back. Like if they really start knocking on people's doors, I'm going to get a knock on my door because of what I write every day. Mm -hmm. You know, I said, so let me come to your school board meetings and just cede all your time to me and I'll cover every point you want me to cover. And then the FBI can come to my house. I, I, I mean, I just, I don't, I'm not... I'm so out there. How do I pull it back now? Oh, I can't. (laughs) You know? Right. Right. That's right. It's legitimately something I've talked about with my adult children, my husband and my parents. (laughs) Mm. Like, I I can't I can't shut this down at this point. Mm -hmm. What do you have um, somebody that you would call for bail money? Is that it? Is that what you're trying to tell us, Stacey? Huh? What, are you I'm saying- not sure they'd give me bail. They haven't given it to the January 6th people. I know. It's true. I mean, I'm not going to start anything violent. I'll just be the one to put the parents' opinions out there. But I'm willing to take those slings and arrows because we have to keep up this this conversation and this resistance to these ideas that are literally hurting our children. Mm-hmm. I, I, I mean, I just... My whole thing right now is the kids. We've got we've either got to build new institutions of education or we have to fix the ones we have. Well, you know, I think that part of the answer will lie in a new accreditation uh, organization that will accredit certain schools and parents will know automatically that it's not going to be the crazy people doing it and and see how many school districts adopt it. That's just what it's going to have to do. Remember now, they always tell us, I say, people right of center that, okay, if you don't like Facebook, go build your own Facebook, which, of course, is almost impossible at this point, though people are trying and very successfully so, I might add. So why Mm -hmm. not take that same mentality and apply it to the school board accreditation services? Mm hmm. I don't disagree. I think that's um, not a bad idea. But I mean, and then and then the other thing is, you know, I'm listening to Pfizer and I'm looking at their study on kids. That's not a study. You didn't even have a control group. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> and you want to jab these kids who don't get sick? No, we don't do that. We've never done that. 
Now, so, uh, speaking as a nurse, let me just ask you really quick, and you can go back into that, uh, jumping off at the latest Project Veritas video in which we see a Pfizer executive on the record saying something incredibly revolutionary, something that would get him kicked off any social media platform in America. And he said this, the natural immunity from people who have gotten COVID is much better than any shot and and stays with individuals who have had COVID much longer mm-hmm. than any shot. And this is a revolutionary act by a guy who said it on the QT. Well, he got honey potted, poor boy. Um, <laughs> but the only shocking thing, Victoria, <laughs> for people who who are educated in medicine and everything else, would have been if that weren't the case. Exactly. I, I mean, that would be the only shocking revelation. And to have something like that happen, it would almost necessitate that it was a bioengineered virus because that's just not how your body works. Um, you know, at this point, you have Dr. Jay Bhattacharya saying it. You have Dr. Martin Koldorf saying it. You have Dr. Gandhi out at University of San Francisco saying it. You have all these doctors coming out and basically saying everyone's going to get COVID. Yeah. Like at some point, everyone's going to get COVID. The vaccine prevents you from the worst outcomes from COVID. So if you're in a high risk group, get the vaccine. But a lot of these folks don't even advocate vaccinating people under 40. Right. Right. You know, I've already recovered. I'm not getting the vaccine. I mean, they'll literally have to come here, hold me down and stick it in my arm. Okay, but when you listen to the FDA hearing, Dr. Dorian Fink, in another courageous move, was asked, okay, you're seeing this myocarditis pop up, da, 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 da. What does it look like? He said, well, there's reports one in 20,000. Medical claims actually report one in 5,000. And he said, and at about age 40, we see the risk from the vaccine flip versus the risk of COVID. So if you're over 40, your risks from COVID are greater than the risk of the vaccine. If you're under 40, your risk from the vaccine, especially if you're male, is greater than your risk from COVID. By any logical public health policy, we would be vaccinating only people over the age of 40. Right. You don't give someone a therapeutic that holds a greater risk for harm than the disease you're trying to prevent. Right. I I have a question. I have a question. Um, Why? mm -hmm. And it's speculation. And why are we doing this? I mean, why are we doing this? How much tinfoil do you have? I I have a low tolerance for tinfoil conspiracy theories. Okay, this is, I, I listen to what people say, right? Mm-hmm. So in 2015, Peter Daszak was at a meeting about investments in medications for emerging diseases, right? Because he likes to walk around in remote places and pull viruses that, of the world would never contract unless he brought them into a lab, right? And do this. So he he wants to, this group wants to up investments in emerging therapeutics for potential emerging diseases like SARS-CoV-2 for which we had nothing, right? Mm -hmm. Working really well. In that meeting, he said he thought when he put out a press release about Ebola and what airports it would hit, et cetera, et cetera, that it, it would generate media attention and we'd start to make people understand about the threats from emerging disease, which would bring investment, right? Yes, I understand. So basically what he said is we have to up people's tolerance for either a pan-influenza vi- vaccine or a pan-coronavirus ex- vaccine and then use the media hype, which will draw investment. So what have we seen during this pandemic? We've seen a lot of pharmaceutical companies uh, make billions. And mm-hmm. we've seen the, I mean, I think Peter Dazog. Media. Oh, the media. The media. I've, nothing but panic porn. Yeah, that's true. I mean. Not based in reality. And if you look at the EU, 
And if you look at Israel and in- guess what? They recognize natural immunity in their passport programs. They've never denied it. Why do we deny it in the United States? I, I would love to know why. Those that I mean, the basketball player, I don't even remember his name. He's the one who's most articulately explained why he doesn't need a coronavirus vaccine. And they they raked him over the coals for they it. did. But he was absolutely spot on. He made an eloquent he point. He, he was all logical. It made eminent sense. And of course, now he's uh, reaping the whirlwind and it might have been a red pill event for him. I I don't know. But I don't know either, but I mean, and that's the other thing that people refuse to acknowledge, okay? You're, you may be, you know, hitting, hitting some Trump voters with this, but I mean, I, I'm recovered. I'm not getting vaccinated because I can read, okay? Right. Um, <laughs> I mean, that's really what it comes down to. Um, my son has recovered. He actually had a case of that inflammatory syndrome after recovery. He can't get vaccinated and he doesn't need to be. Mm -hmm. Um, and I'll do an ADA claim on that if his employer tries to make Mm -hmm. him. Um, and then the two other members of my family, one of them had antibodies without ever getting sick, but got pressured into vaccinating with their employer. And the other one got vaccinated. And I made sure they both had the J&J. Like, I mm-hmm. get the J&J, that I, I can do that. This other one, no, 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 no. It's too new. And that's, that's a bias from being a nurse, okay? When you go to nursing school, you get educated on pharmacology, you get educated on immunology, you get educated on virology and microbiology. And so what I know is my kids are way better off taking amoxicillin for as long as they can so they don't develop drug resistant bacteria, right? Then taking the latest and greatest antibiotics. So I keep them on the old stuff as long as they can take it yeah, and it works. I gotcha. Um it's the same I don't take any medication that hasn't been on the market at least ten years. Wow. It's just it's it's ingrained in you and I think that's why you see a lot of hesitancy in the healthcare industry especially among recovered people because it just makes no sense. Mm-hmm. It makes no sense right. to honestly I'm a better break on infection than my my vaccinated family members are. Right. I'm like something like 13 times less likely to become symptomatically infected than they are. The chances of me getting reinfected are actually lower than my vaccinated family yeah. getting a breakthrough yeah, infection. Yeah, absolutely. Which, which uh, brings us back to the Pfizer executive. He says, well, you know, the reason that people who've had it have better immunity, and you can speak to this better than I, but it's because it's an immunity based on the entire virus as opposed to the spike protein uh, out of which we've made this shot. And so well, it's, there's, yeah, go ahead. Yeah. And everybody's getting it exactly backwards, right? So if you go and look at a site called next strain, N E X T S T R A I N, right. Mm-hmm. It monitors variants. If you draw a line at April 14th, when we had vaccinated about 100 million Americans and a lot of the industrialized world had a, had vaccinated quite a bit, that thing just explodes. Because when I got COVID, I had no defenses, right? Unless I had some exposure to another beta coronavirus and there was something they had in common. So... It just did its thing in my body. I got sick. I got very sick. And then I cleared it, right? Mm -hmm. When they run into a vaccinated person, a vaccinated person has a defense against part of it. It's going to work to get around that. The virus is only, the only evolutionary pressure on a virus is to infect me and have me infect someone else, right? Mm -hmm. If it infects me easily, it's not mutating. Now, it's not going to mutate in me as a recovered person because my immunity is enough that it just never even gets a chance to really replicate that Mm -hmm. much. 
Whereas in a vaccinated person, it starts to work around the vaccine protection. Yeah. And that's how you end up with variants with Delta, Delta, Delta. I yes. mean, there's like there's hundreds of individual mutations in the Delta variant. Thousands, maybe. <laughs> wow. That's not coming from the unvaccinated. The unvaccinated just get sick with whatever infects them. Wow. That's such a smart point. That's so smart. Yeah, I know. But that's when they, the unvaccinated are causing variants. No, they're not. No, they're not. And if you listen to, that's just, that's basic virology. Mm. And if you listen to Dr. Malone, who is an inventor of the mRNA tag vaccine, oh. or mm-hmm. Gert, Dr. Gert Vandenbosch, who's been a vaccine developer for years, actually worked for Gavi, okay? Mm-hmm. They're both saying you don't vaccinate into a pandemic like this. That's how you encourage variants. That's, it's not me saying it. It's people way smarter than me. Mm-hmm. But it just doesn't make any sense if you know a little bit. Yeah, yeah that's... <laughs> You know? Very, very. That's a smart point. Um, did you, by any chance? I don't want to get too tinfoil here, but um, the uh, 2010 TED Talk that Bill Gates gave, and we see a this week we see a um, fact check on the Bill Gates thing, and it's uh, I don't know who's saying that he he his aim is to try to kill people, but apparently some people are saying that, or fact checkers are lying about it, which wouldn't surprise me, frankly. Oh, his he and his father are both into a population. They're like population bomb well, people. This is the uh, this is the, the interesting thing. So I think it was Reuters and AP were doing the fact checkers, the Snopers and whoever else did the factcheck.org thing on this. And I felt it was just amazing. Reuters... And those other ones said that in 2010, that he wanted to reduce the population of Earth through the use of vaccines. And we know he's four square behind the use of vaccines. And what was funny about it was the the, the fact check was, I'm sure he doesn't want to kill people. Hello. Um, but the fact check was, oh, he doesn't want to use vaccines to depopulate the Earth. He wants to use vaccines. Of, I thought vaccines were good things. Vaccines to stop slow the growth of the, uh, or increase the growth, or slow the growth of population, that's it. Slow the growth of population, which I thought was, this is interesting, it's pretty much the same thing. You slow, take it from a monetary viewpoint. If you tax somebody more, uh, or uh, or let's, let's just say, you will spend less if you slow the rate of growth. That's just the fact. um, So he is reducing the population. Let's look at at a society that was very, very successful in doing this, right? Um, That would be China, one-child policy, right? Right. They have now tried to rectify it with a two-child and three-child policy. The problem is in China, to have a child is is so expensive that even people who are more well-off don't want to do it. Um have more than one. Um, so now what, what you have going on in China is a huge demographic problem, which I think in many ways is behind their more colonialistic endeavors at this point between Hong Kong, Taiwan, and other places in, in you know, Southeast Asia. They don't have enough people. Mm-hmm. They are going to have so many more elderly people. In about 10 years, it's really going to start to hit. There's a huge hole in their workforce. Men can't find wives. That's all all a depopulation policy provides. That's all you're ever going to do. Now, if you want to understand what Bill Gates and the Gates Foundation and Gavi and the World Health Organization have done in terms of human experimentation (laughs) with vaccines, um, there's a woman, I can't ever say her name. Oh, Bob, she's the huge pro-life advocate from Africa. Her last name begins with an O. Oh, I'll have to find it for oh, you. No worries. Um, she, she has done full length documentaries about the results of vaccination programs on young women in Africa. Um, another one that has seen a lot of it is Yako Buyans over at the Blaze. He's from South Africa. He's now immigrated here. 
but he he won't touch a vaccine that Bill Bill Gates back. Ooh, because of what he's seen. Wow. <laughs> oh, I guess the um that that's their experience. I can't vouch for it. I can't vet it. You have to listen to them and make your own decisions. But I mean, they're. Their reaction to it is nearly visceral. Huh. Wow. I, I mean, and I like Yako. He does great work at the border. He works with groups that prevent human trafficking. Mm-hmm. I mean, the whole, I mean, he's a good guy, mm-hmm. but he won't, he won't go near it. Interesting. Well, one more thing before we go. Well, a few odds and ends. I know that you wanted to talk a little bit about Donald Trump. As long as we're touching all the rails of uh, discussion, oh my you are. Oh, my goodness. Victoria, people are going to stop reading my stuff. <laughs> you don't want to talk about it? I mean, because I know. Oh, no, I can talk about it. I, I just want Donald Trump to stay out of Georgia. Yeah, he really messed it up he, last he time. He really can't do anything but hurt us, mm. his own voters. Um I'm offended that he decided to make Herschel Walker move here to run. We had great candidates inside the state. Like before Herschel Walker made his move, Doug Collins, a huge supporter of the president, Mm -hmm. right? Had already endorsed a candidate. Grayson for Georgia. Uh So he. A black Republican in Georgia endorsed by Collins and Donald Trump decided we needed Herschel Walker, who has told Oprah Winfrey he has multiple personality disorder. That's going to go great. Wow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he came to a rally oh, in Perry, Lord. Georgia. He came to a rally in Perry, Georgia, and told his supporters we'd be better off with Stacey Abrams as governor than Governor Kemp. Yeah. What the heck? Okay. Governor Kemp opened schools. He was the first one. He was before DeSantis, and everybody forgets that. He opened the state before DeSantis, and Donald Trump criticized oh. him. Okay? Right. He was the first governor to open. People forget that because of the election. I know what happened in Georgia. It had nothing to do with Dominion voting machines. It had to do with the Center for Technology and Civic oh, Life yes. dumping crazy money into Fulton yes. County. Joe Biden got a hundred thousand more votes in Fulton County than Hillary Clinton did. The population didn't go up in any way to support that. Okay, that was Stacey Abrams' people skipping along in front of the mobile voting right. vans and knocking on doors to get people to come vote. Did they um, also paper the entire state with mail-in ballots for all voters of all kinds, regardless of whether they were living or dead, which is what um, they did in California? I got two ballots, Stacey. No, no. In, in our election, you had to, um, you still had to request a ballot. Oh, that's so smart. Good. You, you still had to request a ballot. But what the activist organizations were doing was sending people the paperwork to request a ballot oh. to whatever address they had on file, which ended up sending a lot of them to people out of state and other oh, things. Okay. So, but I mean... We did our election law before Texas. Kemp was out there defending it. We fixed the the Zuckerberg money problem, which was the biggest problem in the state. Um, Now, if a county applies for a grant, it all goes up to the state level and is dispersed based on population due to equal protection, Mm -hmm. equal ballot access, all of that. So, yeah, I mean... Our economy's great. Our unemployment is one of the lowest in the country. Like I, we're still getting business investment because people are actually back to work here because Kemp cut off their enhanced unemployment like three months ago. Um, so we're actually coming out of this pandemic pretty freaking great. Our lives are back to normal. Mm-hmm. Why would you? Th- why would you even say that out loud, Donald? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That, that's nothing but a personal vendetta. And here's what I can't do in 2024. I can't vote for a lame duck president going in. Mm-hmm. He couldn't, he couldn't overcome the deep state in his first term. I don't see how he's going to do it when they know he can't run for a second. Now he's insulting Ron DeSantis saying I could beat him like a drum, like I beat everybody else. No, I really don't think you can. Mm-hmm. 
I really don't think he could. Interesting. Oof. Like, just go be a kingmaker. Not only that, out on Fox Nation, there's a, a documentary called What Really Happened in Wuhan. It was done by the girl at Sky News, oh, yeah. who's been doing all the in-depth mm-hmm. reporting. He appeared on it. You know how we always say president gets in office and they age really quick, but Donald Trump uh-huh. didn't? Oh, he has now. He looks awful. Really? Really. Interesting. That will make a difference. People don't like ugly people. I mean, it's true. It's not it's not that he's ugly. It's he's aged. Right, right, right. Interesting. Yeah. Very interesting. Yeah. I, I mean, it was it startled me a little mm-hmm. bit. Mm hmm. And no, I, I just, you know, you have to be likable and you have to be attractive and preferably taller than most. And those are just <laughs> the things that one must have possess in order to be a successful candidate of I'm sorts. Just, I mean, you, you, there are exceptions, I'm, but those exceptions prove the rule. I know, but I think we got to start putting some people in the queue, too. Oh, I agree. No, I agree. The DeSantis, the DeSantis family got bad news this week, and while all yeah. our prayers are there, yes. I mean that is a wonderful marriage between two people who are very close. He would just he would walk away from twenty twenty two if he needed to. I truly yeah, believe that. It's, it's very sad. His wife's been. I think she's got a scare, cancer, breast cancer scare, and is it confirmed now that she does have breast cancer, or is she undergoing um, tests? The press pack I got from. His spokeswoman. It, no, it's a diagnosis. It's oh, not a okay. It's not a maybe. Wow! 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 Prayers to them. Well, Stacy, we're wrapping it. I appreciate you uh, coming on. I'm sorry to just sort of go from a sad to a hey, we got to wrap it up, but we do. And and uh, read Stacy's uh, reporting over at PJ Media. And uh, what else? Uh, where do they find you on Twitter? Um, you can find me on Twitter at, at Scott's, S-C-O-T-S-F-Y-R-E. Um, that's me on most social media platforms. I'm not on Getter yet. Uh, and on Facebook, all of my writing goes up on my page, and that's at Liberty Gypsy. So, all right. And you can hear me on the Loftus Party podcast. Cool. Um, with comedian Michael Loftus, who you may see on Candace Owens and the Greg Gutfeld Show. Yeah, that's awesome. All right, Stacy, keep fighting the fight. Thanks again for coming on and uh, showing yourself worthy of being an adult in the room. Remember to subscribe, follow, rate five stars, and give me a great review over at your favorite podcast outlets, Apple, Google, and Spotify, to name the big boys. And follow me on social media. I'm over at Parlor, MeWe, Minds, Facebook, and Twitter, at Victoria Taft. Don't forget the Adult in the Room podcast on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at the Adult in the Room podcast, except Twitter only has room for the Adult in the, Adult in the, at Adult in the. Fine. It works. Get in touch with me at Victoria at VictoriaTaft.com. Editing, mastering, advertising, technical support, and understanding for the Adult in the Room podcast with Victoria Taft is by 1A Cast. The music is gospel by the March 4th Band of Portland, Oregon. Music for the case of Mike Strickland is Ride or Die by RC, and it is used by permission. Find RC on all social sites at Raps by RC, Apple, Spotify, YouTube, and Instagram at Raps by RC. Imaging for the Adult in the Room podcast with Victoria Taft is by 1A Cast. Logo by Hageman Creative. Find him on Instagram. Photo of Victoria Taft is by Hilly Collective. The Adult in the Room podcast is produced by Flamingo Road Studios. All rights reserved.